Tech Talk. Tech Talk with Jess Kelly. This is News Talk. Hello and welcome to Tech Talk. This is Jess Kelly with you here on News Talk. Coming up over the next hour, as Elizabeth Holmes, founder of Theranos, settles into life behind bars, we'll ask if there's a road to redemption for the former billionaire. Are the conversations around AI just scaremongering or should we all actually be cautious? And we'll hear about the new e-bikes on Irish roads and how they differ from e-scooters in the eyes of legislation. As always, you can email the show techtalk at newstalk.com or you'll find me on Instagram at jesskellynt. Uh, I hope you're well. I am just back from my holidays. I had a lovely little time, so I did. Uh, We flew out of Dublin Airport two weeks ago. And I'll tell you now, If you want to make your travel experience through Dublin Airport as seamless as possible, I would highly advise you download the Dublin Airport app and the app of your airline. Uh, I flew out of Terminal 1 for the first time in quite a while and I couldn't get over the amount of technology and the use of the technology that's in place. We flew with Ryanair and the second you walk in or the second I walked in, looked at the departure screens, saw that we have to go down to the right side of the entrance hall, basically, of T1 and do the bag drop. Um, And it's all done within the app on your phone using a machine uh, that can weigh your suitcase, it can print the suitcase label, all the rest. I thought it was brilliant. But I did feel for some of the people around me who... I would assume aren't as tech literate or tech savvy or as comfortable with technology uh, as I would be because it is all interacting with your phone and this machine. Uh, And I don't know, it just got me thinking that, you know, if you are not someone who's overly comfortable with technology or if your parents or if you've got friends or relatives, it's just worth doing a bit of prep before you leave the house. Download your airline app, download the Dublin airport app, just get familiar with the steps that you're going to have to go through because it will absolutely take the stress out of going through security and all the rest. Uh, but I had a great experience. It was brilliant. The free Wi-Fi in Dublin Airport was great. I downloaded loads of bits and pieces for myself to watch and listen to on the plane. Uh, so all in all, it was great. So there's just a little top tip for you. Uh, and also, and I promise this won't be a what I did on my summer holidays style essay, but while I was on my summer holidays, I reread Bad Blood which tells the story of Theranos and its founder, Elizabeth Holmes, the woman who was one of the youngest billionaires in the world and who has just recently started a prison sentence for her actions. We have spoken about this story many times, uh, but Emmett Ryan of the Business Post is back with me now for an update. Uh, As I said there, uh, Elizabeth Holmes is now in prison. She is, and she's uh, to um, more, more than 11 years of it. Uh, but she's also saying now she can't afford to pay what she's due to pay in terms of restitution for the assorted frauds she committed, uh, which may go, well, that must be a lot of money, right? Well, no, she's actually been ordered to pay in terms of her share of what is considered $452 million of restitution to 14 different investors. Her monthly share is $250. It was previously $25, but apparently they put the decimal point in the wrong place. That is not even a joke, by the way. And so they reassessed it and said it should have actually been $250 a month. But apparently she can't even afford that because having at her peak been valued at about $4.5 billion, Forbes, which uh, was the one that set that value on her, now says she is worth $0, Jess. 
Yeah, and this is what fascinates me about these um, valuations that come out. And even, you know, if you Google uh, how much is a certain actor worth and there's all these articles proclaiming them to be about worth X, Y and Z. Just explain, because uh, you're smarter than I am, just explain how those valuations work and how someone can go from billions to zero. Well, a lot of it is, uh, you know, guesswork. That's a very important thing to point out to begin with. But essentially, it's looking at the value of the assets they have. So it's not so much cash in bank, but it's more, well, they own this much of this company or they own this much of this company or they have shares in this and they have Y in that. And the contracts they have for, say, a source, if it's a celebrity, a sort of endorsement deals are worth this much a year. So you can sort of estimate based on the publicly available what, the, what range they're likely to be in. But quite often, these are fairly, uh, you know, uh, calling them napkin mats is being harsh on napkins, Jess. But like they, you know, but like if if it says someone's worth 4.5 billion, the odds are they're at least worth a couple of billion and could be worth a lot more is how I'd politely put it. And um, so that would have been the estimate here. But most of that estimate, of course, would have been based on how much of Theranos that Elizabeth Holmes owned. That's what most of her value would have been considered to be based on. So then, of course, once Theranos collapsed, so did the assorted uh, untouched billions, uh, which you wouldn't have really even been able to realize too much that uh, Holmes uh, had. So she went from uh, being able to build this house where it looked like she was, you know, worth a fortune. But in truth, uh, she's worth less than you or me, which is wow. Uh, saying a lot when it comes to finances, obviously as people we are worth far more because we don't commit fraud and the like, but financially that she's worth less than us, that is quite something. It is a remarkable fall from grace because uh, as I reread the book, you know, there's talks of her appearing on panels alongside President Bill Clinton and being painted as the future of medicine. And it, it is, it, the reason I keep coming back to this story is because I think it's such an important cautionary tale, particularly when we talk about what we're going to talk about in a second, which is the next iteration of technology and life with AI and all the rest, that you can't just believe somebody's vision and you can't just buy into somebody being a great speaker or being very believable. You do need to see, like, the proof is in the pudding kind of thing. Uh, well, I would say more, it's like, you know, the uh, they shouldn't. Uh, be believed but unfortunately people quite often do believe and it's classic emperor's new clothes like who's gonna until someone you know digs in and says well actually no this is nonsense like people are quite often going to be led by well this person who I respect says that and xyz but like it's a classic thing which I you know I was speaking to a lot of tech companies at the time uh, of that, and particularly health tech companies who are a lot smaller than Theranos ever was, they're all a lot bigger than Theranos now, I point out to them, is the people investing, it was kind of, wasn't traditional investment houses that do major financial checks and like crunch numbers to a, a level that's painfully boring. It was celebrities, you know, it was your Bill Clintons, it was your Betsy DeVos's, it was all the, you know, the, there was a Rupert Murdoch investment in there, true, but even with that, like, you know, it seemed like it was a personal one rather than, you know, part of the grand Murdoch, you know, all the nerds investment side of things. So, you know, and when all these people who are like, you know, big deals are saying, well, I believe in this, it's a lot easier for that person to portray themselves as the future of medicine. But you know, once someone actually peels away what turned out to be one of the most rotten onions in the history of capitalism, uh, one layer was enough to uh, to show it all. Mm. And the thing that needs to be remembered is she's still only 39. Like she is a young woman in the grand scheme of life. Uh, 11 years in prison is obviously a significant uh, jail sentence. She does have a young child. 
But do you see any form, any road to redemption for Elizabeth Holmes, particularly if she cannot pay the people that she should pay? Unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised if she gets a road to redemption the moment she gets out, to be honest. Uh, you know, she was good at this grift. She'll find something else to be good at. Like quite often she might even trade like the way Jordan Belfort has off the fact that I did all this. Doesn't that make me fascinating? Want to be successful like me? And I could totally see her going down the Belfort route, uh, which is uh, exactly what people don't want to hear. But like 11 years as well, obviously that may end up getting, you know, reduced based on good behavior and the like. But um, still a long stint. And like, yes, she's young, but she's not that young. Like She's 39. Ah, Emmett, that is young. Come on now. Not young as in. It's young, It's young, but it's not young and innocent young, is what I would say. Like, I'm 42. She's only three years younger than me. And I've never committed a multi-billion dollar fraud. And I would be fully aware of what I was doing if I was committing multi-billion dollar fraud. And I would, you know, be probably smart enough to have uh, skipped town and gotten somewhere else before they all came coming, to be honest about it, Jess. Yeah, and yeah, I suppose to know better is what I'm trying to say. 39 is yeah, young, yeah. but old enough to know better. Yeah, absolutely. Look, and I take that point. And part of her defence was that it wasn't her, it was Sonny, who was her, essentially her business partner, but also her romantic partner as well. Uh, what happened to Sonny? Uh, Sonny is uh, also going to uh, be in jail. Uh, it's not quite, I'm not quite sure. I, I believe he's 13 years is his sentence. So it's a slightly longer one for him. It's a slightly larger uh, payment he has to make to uh, the various people. Again, remember, it's 452 million Holmes is ordered to pay $250 a month, which she says she can't afford. Uh, Balwani has been ordered to pay $1,000 a month. So somebody with a calculator can work out how long $1,250 a month, how many months it would take for that to actually pay off $452 million. And just to be clear, when Holmes eventually gets out, it will go up to at least 10% of her income, whichever is higher, that or $50 a month. But it's hardly, you know, the type of thing where you can kind of go, this is all going to come back. And uh, like Belfort, for example, has paid very little of the assorted uh, monies he's meant to pay back uh, back ever. And he's out of jail quite a long time. So I wouldn't be shocked if she never gives anybody a penny back that she defrauded them off. Yeah, I'm so I I hadn't actually thought of that example or that comparison that you just made there with uh, Jordan Belfort. I could totally see her doing the speaker circuit, and I could see her doing like a Netflix style documentary type thing. And like she 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 will make money when she comes out. Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? Yeah, it kind of is. Um, okay, well, look, as I said, if you haven't read Bad Blood absolutely do it is a fascinating story and uh, yeah look as more twists and turns uh, arise in this case I'm sure Emmett and I will bring them to you Um, Emmett while I have you I want to talk a little bit about AI because it's been the story of 2023 pretty much Um, you know obviously at the start of the year there was a lot of buzz around ChatGPT it's now spiralled and every single time I tune into a radio show or I pick up a newspaper, there's another article that makes me just not want to like technology anymore. I wrote for yourselves in the Business Post uh, one of the months that I kind of fell out of love with technology because of the scaremongering nature and the grimness of the conversation surrounding artificial intelligence. Has the mood picked up at all? Is this a case of people, mainstream individuals, so people who aren't in the world of tech, you know, either just clamouring on to the odd soundbite or is the picture really that grim? 
Uh, it's varied. I had a good chat earlier this week with Jeremy Barnes, who's ServiceNow is head of AI, which you can read, by the way, on the Business Post right now. And his theory was this, that a lot of the companies, they're sending out this technology half-cooked. It's sort of going with a scattergun approach, trying to see what sticks. So essentially, the market research they should be doing before they launch a product is being done live. But the obvious problem with that is that it, it just, you know, you've got you have so many misses that even the hits, people kind of go, oh, whatever, like, because they are just seeing all these use cases, uh, to use the terrible tech phrase, but all these like uses that are being put out there that really don't hold much interest. And people just kind of going, okay, it's just another AI story. And so that's his main concern is that like, a lot of stuff is being sent out, like, you know, not even half-baked, like it's almost like it is yet to go in the oven. Uh, and they're saying, well, let's see what works. Whereas, you know, for example, like what he's doing at ServiceNow is a good example of they're actually testing stuff and they're only releasing it when they know it's going to actually provide a benefit to the customer, which is kind of basic stuff with most technologies, to be honest, like it's what you should be doing. But with AI, because there's such a hype train around it, there's this urge from a lot of the companies to just get stuff out there, fling it out and hope it works. And that's naturally going to make the end users uh, less interested. And also, if you're in a business and you're trying to convince your boss we should use generative AI for X or Y, the boss is going to is a normal human being as well. In some respects, they have tried out things and gone, really, is this just, just another toy? It's not really that much use. And that's going to be the issue for generative AI is that it's so, so hyped and so much of it is half-baked or not even like, you know, or, or raw really that it's going to hurt the technologies or the use cases that might have some use of it. Mm. Uh, we, we did see the head of OpenAI, uh, which is the company behind ChatGPT, appear before a committee um, uh, in, the, in the US Senate. Uh, and he was essentially begging for some form of regulation. We know, because we spoke about it, uh, that letter that a whole host of people signed, uh, very influential business figures in the world of tech signed, calling for the halt of the development of artificial intelligence while... I suppose, regulation and all the rest is worked out. Has anything come of that at all? Uh, not yet, but we're already seeing the impact of regulation in some respects. So, because obviously Google's BARD launch was delayed uh, by the DPC. It's been available everywhere, essentially, apart from the EU. But the EU is obviously a pretty big market for Google. But the uh, Irish DPC, because that's who Google has to deal with when dealing with the EU, simply said like that you clearly have not done the data protection impact assessment uh, that's required here. This product is simply not ready to go because it has not come close essentially to meeting their standards so google has to go through that assessment to see if that's going to work so we're seeing some impact of regulators already uh, in that google literally weren't allowed to launch a product so we'll we'll see you know how this goes playing out going forward like what the options are but it's still i'm still worried that we aren't really grabbing this thing hard enough in terms of the need to regulate yeah, I don't know about you, but and just to be a bit inside baseball here for a second, pretty much every second press release that's coming into my inbox is look at how our product can use AI or look how we use AI to do this, that and the other. Oh, it's essentially it is... blockchain in my inbox. It used to always be blockchain. Now it's AI. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. It, it does. But I feel like that's doing it a disservice because slapping an AI tagline onto something it may actually dilute the impact and the good side of artificial intelligence and the beneficial side of artificial intelligence. If we have loads of bad examples, um, it's going to sort of take away from the overall impact of the beneficial uses of artificial intelligence. Yeah, and that's essentially the problem is that like, so everybody figures it's the hot term we've got to show we're relevant or with the times. And you end up just really looking like Steve Buscemi in that meme where he's saying, how are you doing, fellow kids? Mm. 
Yeah, it, it's not great. But are, are you like as a as a tech journalist and as a human? Are, are, are you walking away or are you a little bit more sceptical of it than maybe you would have been in January of this year? Uh, I was pretty sceptical in January of the thing, so I'm largely at the same level and that I'm now on the side of, you know, my, what my position is sort of the way everything's worked is I'm now the one kind of going, folks, it does have a use, it does have a use, whereas, you know, I was sort of trying to downplay in January, but essentially I'm saying the same thing now, only the confidence in the public has dropped below the level I had back in January, if that makes sense. So I, I'm now the one trying to bring people back up to my level at least mm. yeah well look it's obviously not going to go away and we will keep you up to date uh, as Emmett said if you want to read any of his work you can do so right now on the Business Post website or pick up a paper on Sunday uh, Emmett as always thanks so much thanks Jess thanks.